Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. People who are in real estate investing or wealth management, and unfortunately, they say the quick yes to the easy sale. And I don't know how many people I find who might be in a pretty good asset situation, but actually income qualify for a Roth IRA. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, Best Ever listeners, and welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm your host today, Theo Hicks. And well, today we are speaking with Alex Telcott. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm on the campus of the University of New Hampshire's Business School. We're at peak fall foliage. Uh, couldn't be in a better place talking to a better person. How are you doing, Theo? I'm doing great. I appreciate that. I was just talking to my, my mom today about the fact that I live in Florida, so I don't get to see the seasonal transitions. I miss the colorful trees. I'm kind of jealous. Oh, you got to come up. The numbers aren't great for cash flowing and value add real estate up here so much. That would be a pure vacation. You probably wouldn't be able to write it off as a business trip. <laughs> I'm sure I could find a way. But Alex is a repeat guest. If you haven't done so already, make sure you check out his previous episode, which is 1923. And you'll actually hear me interview Alex. So I get to interview him again. Today is Sunday. So we'll be doing a skill set Sunday. And we're going to talk about the seven deadly signs that you should say no. So we're going to knock out as many of those seven deadly signs in detail as possible. We will list all of those. Before we get into that, Alex's background, he is the managing partner of Seacoast Financial Planning, as well as a partner with Lexdan Real Estate. As he mentioned in his intro, he teaches finance and business law at the University of New Hampshire Business School. As I mentioned, previously shared his best ever advice on episode 1923, based in Durham, New Hampshire. You can say hi to him at LexdanRE. That's L-E-X-D-A-N-R-E at gmail.com. So Alex, before we get into these seven deadly signs, could you quickly share 
with us your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, absolutely. So I started out as a financial services attorney, I'm now on the proactive producing financial planning side of things, have a private real estate investment partnership that focuses on single family cash flowing properties in the South. And then we're also limited partners on a variety of different apartment syndicates, including one in Jacksonville, Florida with Ashcroft Capital that I look forward to actually visiting this winter and spend an awful lot of time in my teaching and spending time with the family and It all started for me in education, actually, as a religion major in college up here in New Hampshire. So somebody who's always studied religious studies and ethics and everything, I wanted to have a little fun and do these seven deadly signs as opposed to seven deadly sins. Signs that you should say no, because another religious reference point, Moses got folks out of Egypt, but not into the promised land. And for a lot of investors and entrepreneurs, Saying yes is what gets you out of Egypt. Saying no is what gets you into the promised land. That's an insight that was shared with me by Dan Sullivan, a strategic coach. So I was glad to prepare this list for you. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing this. Okay. So these are the seven deadly signs you should say no. You should say no to a deal, to hiring someone, to working with a potential vendor. In general, whenever there's a decision to be made, here are the signs that you should say no. So first, let's go through quickly. There's the list of seven, and then we'll jump back into the list to go over some of these in more detail. Yeah. So number one, a question that I had with somebody who is soliciting me for a hedge fund investment. How much do you know about finance and investment? Not to be immodest about my background, but the person clearly hadn't even Googled me or checked me out on LinkedIn. There was zero preparation. And this was a representative of a pretty small up and coming organization. So anything that's glaringly off the bat says that you have done zero to prepare is a disrespectful thing. Number two, Low asset under management with too big a minimum. So people who are getting in way over their heads, kind of swinging for the fences too soon. Or people with a straight face who have big minimums, but just straight up poor cash on cash returns that they're even advertising. Sometimes the numbers are just blatantly bad. Number three, basic mispronouncing of words, like straight up using a term wrong or just like saying the word wrong more than once or twice that it's not a slip, but it's clear that wow, you have superficial knowledge. You haven't really talked this through with anyone who's called you out on it. Number four, referring to a real estate market as up and coming or the next dot, dot, dot without any data to substantiate it. Number five, a lack of quantitative evidence that more things are happening or more things are good to come or is Texas over or are you really dabbling in that past returns as an indicator of future success sort of a thing? Number six, just not sharing a periodic reminder or disclosure that the one thing that you're doing on your webinar or the one thing that's the basis of your business, if that's the one thing that you have to sell somebody, then you are not that prospective investor's fiduciary. You're certainly not their fiduciary financial advisor. So we got to remind people that if we have one opportunity that they're presenting them with, it might not be for all people at all times. Number seven a tired recitation of qualifications that are just very average. It's very average, an oxymoron, I don't know. But the marketing major from a not-so-great school or winds up with a sociology major with a 3.2, nothing wrong with that. You might be a wonderful person capable of great things, but I don't know about you, but for my health and my wealth, anyone new I'm bringing into my situation has to be excellent. So those are my seven. 
Can you go over number six? I think I'm kind of confused of what that means. Yeah. Not, yeah. Could you mind just kind of going over that one? Detail? Absolutely. Now, who needs more small print? Who needs more disclosures? The notion of hitting people with voluminous pages, ostensibly in the consumer's interest, but how many of us do or can read through all that stuff? I'm not saying that it's bearing on the side of over, over, over disclosure by quantity, but I've just run into a lot of situations where I've seen people who are in real estate investing or wealth management, and unfortunately, they say the quick yes to the easy sale. And I don't know how many people I find who might be in a pretty good asset situation, but actually income qualify for a Roth IRA. There are just certain tax advantages that you should be going for. Sometimes people skip I find to real estate or accredited syndication investing before they own some other basics. So for me, real estate is awesome. It's not a cure-all. And I really, really think it's important for people to have somebody who they're working with to help them out with emergency funds and cash reserves, finding dual purpose dollar opportunities by way of a Roth IRA if eligible or I don't think people should be making their entire path to financial freedom as one that is being mapped out by way of real estate. Okay. So this is basically saying that you find someone who says that real estate is going to cure all of your problems. Is that what you mean? Or not including disclosures about, sorry, I'm still kind of confused of what this one means. It's a big one. It's probably of the seven, the one that is just not like a quick thing. It really comes down to ethics and deciding what is in your best interest. Because increasingly, the fiduciary standard in wealth management, one that the Department of Labor has been working through for a few years, the Securities and Exchange Commission has been focusing on it more. I kind of picked up the slack at looking at not just for qualified retirement plans, how about for the entirety of investor relations that a series six or seven financial advisor would have with a person? What does it mean to be on the same side of the table as somebody who they're working with? What does it mean to do something in another's best interest? That's a very, very high bar, right? Because what people do we encounter in society who are required or expected to act in our best interest, right? When we order a sandwich at a shop and we ask for wow. mayo on it, they don't take a look at our girth and evaluate whether that's appropriate for us or not. But you put certain levels of trust with different individuals and different professionals. And I have observed some real estate investors for whom their investor relations representative with a turnkey operator, for example, might be, in fact, the only person who's remotely a financial professional who they're talking to. They might be do-it-yourselfers with TurboTax for their tax returns. They may have an app on their phone. They may not have a financial advisor who's retained to give them best interest advice. So I think it's really important for people who are representing real estate investment opportunities even if they're not required by law to hold themselves up to a fiduciary standard to recognize that the people who they're working with might be using them or thinking of them as a really important resource for their wealth. Okay. No, I understand that now. Yeah, that's definitely a big one. The other one that kind of jumped out to me, number seven, you said someone going over their qualifications and those qualifications are pretty mediocre. Like I had a 2.7 in, 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 in college and I went to this specific university and got a degree in finance. But as you mentioned, that university right. isn't a well-known kind of respectable college. So is that something that if they had that low GPA and just using this example, they had the low GPA, they didn't go to, to a prestigious university. Is the issue them talking about that and thinking that that's something that makes them qualified the issue or is 
just them having a low GPA not going to a prestige yeah. be the issue? I'll go with both. I okay. might have also called number seven the first five minutes of a webinar where you have sometimes a team of two or three folks you know, introducing themselves. And what it seems to me is that what people are most getting across is not even that they're credentialed, but just that they're normal. And part of the way that maybe they show their ethics is that they're relatable. So when somebody says that they live in a suburb and they have two kids, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that area. Is that an impressive suburb that you're living in? Should you live in the town over? Should you have three kids or four kids or one kid? What's the right number? So I'm not trying to be hypercritical or even an elitist, quite the contrary. My students who I've taught at a state school and I also teach at a community college, oftentimes I help them take a look at their resumes that they're putting forward towards internships and job opportunities. And I'm showing them that, hey, if you've worked at Applebee's for four years, that might actually be an impressive credential because the millennial generation has the reputation of being flaky, right? But if a place has kept you gainfully employed for four years, you must show up on time and have other high character. So that actually might even be something where if you tell me how many covers you take care of a night as somebody who hasn't worked in the service industry, mm-hmm. I don't know, kind of any number that you show me is going to be like, wow, you juggled a few balls in the air. That can be rather impressive. So I guess yeah. part of what I'm saying there is not just giving the filler credential. If people want to be relatable and seem like a normal guy or gal, I guess that's kind of cool. But I would personally much rather have an uneven representation of, hey, here's what makes me really great. Here's the role that I play on this complimentary team. Here's the thing that I do that nobody else does or can do. So there's one group, for example, that I like where like, you know, one guy is like, yeah, I'm really into drones. So like when we check out our apartments, I got the model 659er and I fly her over here. And so like this guy is taking a level of visual documentation of properties that they're scoping out that really stands out to me. So for that guy, I don't need to hear all the generic stuff. I just need to hear the really wonderful stuff that gives me an impression that this is not just one of the many teams right now. Because we're in a position right now where, I don't know about you, but my inbox is full with deals. Deals are still being found, even in markets that are hot and have been hot for a long time. So the ones you should say yes to, the ones you should say no to on the basis of your jockey, not your horse. Well, let's find out the unique and interesting things about the various jockeys that are out there. So that makes sense. So it's more about knowing what qualifications, what characteristics, what experience you've had that are important as opposed to just saying things that people want to hear it. Yeah, because I've heard a lot of people say, I'm a marketing major, so dot, 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 ellipses, trails off. They don't finish the sentence sort of a thing. And it's kind of like almost like, so what? So at this point, there are a lot of credentials that are for the buying. If you want it, not only can you go out and get it in society, but oftentimes the government will subsidize your ability to go do it whether or not it's a great choice. So kind of showing what you did given an opportunity, showing what you did that was different or new or excellent is really something that I think should come across wherever possible, anytime you're presenting yourself. Here's what I know. Here's what I really know. Here's what I enjoy doing. Here's what I do in a way that other folks aren't doing. So you know, just trust me and don't even bother listening to those other webinars or checking out those other emails because you know that we're going to take ownership of this thing in this way. The other one that I really liked was number four was referring to real estate market as up and coming without having any data. And number five was lack of evidence that more things are good to come. So I guess it was kind of similar. I think number four is something that I see more. Someone's trying to present a deal to you in a market and then you ask them why the market's really good and it's kind of just generic slogans as opposed to specific data. Have an engineering background. I really like diving into the data on these things, creating crazy Excel templates, things like that. So 
I just want to yeah, mention. Yeah, it's like, how do we know that it's a nexus or that? Because you could tell the story of one new company moving to town and bringing this many jobs or what have you, but I don't know, there's a lot of coming or going. Exactly. And even if you're saying a number, sometimes it reeks of qualitative evidence more than something that's quantitative or firm. Mm-hmm. And what about number two, low asset under management with a big minimum? Could you go into more detail on that one? Oh, yeah. I had somebody start a hedge fund kind of out of his basement sort of a thing with $400,000 in assets under management. I'm going for a minimum from 25. We're going to be raising it to 100. And I asked, how with this straight face are you going to ask somebody for $100,000 when you're managing $400,000? I almost can't even put into words why those are inappropriate or crazy in terms of what that would incentivize or what that would evidence the person not being ready for prime time or what have you. But sometimes those numbers are totally out of whack. But on the other end of the spectrum, I had a conversation with somebody with a fund in Southern California recently who has million dollar minimums and is just showing super low percentage cash on cash return. This isn't a matter of conservative, under-promising, over-delivering. It's just I cannot imagine having tying up that amount of money for that kind of lowered expectation. It's just unbelievable. So there are certain deals to say no to because there are a lot of great deals out there, a lot of great numbers, a lot of great projects, and a lot of great people out there. And so it just kind of tells us so much of the capital for so many of the deals right now are coming from the coasts of California. It's where I am here in the Northeast. And just how deep those pockets are in some places, such that the luxury of not going after great returns because people are overly passive, passive investors. I'm actually working on registering a trademark right now for an approach and a process known as aggressive passive investing, because usually you have this notion of aggressive investors or HGTV flipping, and that's not me. I can't swing a hammer, but I'm not so passive about my investments that I rely on just one or two relationships and then send them my and my partner's money when we have a bit of extra scratch saved up, we've found that we're able to go to markets to invest time in getting to know people and not be cutting into our returns in that silly manner of you don't hop on a plane and go visit Apple headquarters to make sure they're still open if you hold them directly or indirectly in your 401k. For us budget travelers, we can hop on a JetBlue and stay in a Holiday Inn and get to see great properties and get to know great people. So we're carving out a pretty interesting space. We're very aggressive about finding those passive investments to say yes to. So as vigorous I am about saying no to the bad deals and the not great people, I am investing some time and some capital in in finding when to say yes. Because as an attorney by trade, too many of my attorney friends are all nervous Nellies and, and are all about no. I'm the kind of attorney who likes to get to yes. All right, Alex, we've gone over most of these. Pick one last one you want to go over before we close out. I don't know if I have a favorite that I'm like, oh my God, I can't this, 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 can't believe this didn't pique Theo's interest on next level. But okay, I'll be a snob on the basic mispronunciation of words, because this is something that really does transcend real estate. I've seen a presidential candidate endorse his very good friend, and he says Gunton, and the guy pronounces his name Ginta. And I've seen people talk about their great affection for some town, and they just pronounce the name of the town. Ah, man, that's brutal. That just shows that people just haven't thought through the idea all that much. They haven't talked about it with other folks. Nobody's called them out on not really knowing what they're talking about. I just think that as a Malcolm Gladwell thin splicer, that's one of those things where I'm like, ooh, that's evidence Mm -hmm. that other details might not be being owned here. Oh, yeah. A lack of attention to detail for sure with that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the most basic details are like, what's going on here? All right, Alex. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show and going over these seven deadly signs that you should say no. And for all of these, you went over examples. I'm just going to go over the titles. One was zero preparation. Two, having low assets under management, but having some sort of large minimum that's out of proportion to the assets they have under management. Three, basic mispronunciation of words. 
for referring to a real estate market or referring to something as up and coming, the next big thing without having any data to back that up. Five, lack of evidence that more good things are to come. Number six, which is still kind of confused on, but I'm going to go back and listen to the section we talked about, but <laughs> it's, it's basically just not having a high standard. <laughs> it's kind of what yeah, don't, yeah, 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 exactly right. Don't say yes to every $50,000 that you have in the door and say, yippee. Talk yourself out of business from time to time to be one of the good guys. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, number seven was someone's going over qualifications that are very average. You called it the first five minutes of the webinar where they just tell you how normal they are rather than going over the qualifications, the parts, their background that make them unique for this particular opportunity. So again, Alex, really appreciate it. Where can people learn more about you, contact you? Where do you want to send people? I'm alextalcott.com. Redirects to my financial planning page, alextalcott.com. will get you to Seacoast Financial Planning. And then we have a new email inbox for real estate conversations. We're not seeking outside investors or soliciting in any manner, but we enjoy getting to know good folks who we might invest in. And that's lexdanre at gmail.com, L-E-X-D-A-N-R-E at gmail.com. If you have something interesting, I think I'd like to learn about. Perfect. And best of your listeners, before you email him, make sure you do not fall for one of these seven deadly signs. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Especially Theo. number one. <laughs> and All guess right, what, Alex. Theo, I'm saved by the bell. Do you hear that? Yeah, I hear that. There you go. So Alex, I appreciate you taking the time today. Best of your listeners, thanks for tuning in. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at com forward slash show. That's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N dot com forward slash show.